This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Friday, October 18th, 2019. On this day in 1954, Neurosurgeon Samuel Holmes Shepard began his criminal trial for the murder of his wife, Marilyn. Thus began a media circus, a miscarriage of justice, and a second tragedy, where Sam Shepard spent 10 years in prison for a crime he may have not committed. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're discussing the case of Sam and Marilyn Shepard, specifically the beginning of Sam's first criminal trial on October 18, 1954. Referred to later by the Supreme Court as a carnival, Sam Shepard's criminal trial seemed to be deeply compromised from the outset. In fact, Shepard's conviction would eventually be overturned by the Supreme Court, and he was acquitted by a second trial. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Before discussing the broader context of the trial, Let's go back to the specific events of October 18, 1954. The courtroom had reached maximum occupancy, but the crowd was still building outside. It seemed like everyone in Cleveland wanted a seat for the show. There were reporters, sure, but also dozens of curious citizens who had showed up out of sheer curiosity. Mostly, they wanted to get a look at the defendant, the man that everyone in the crowd had already agreed was guilty. Dorothy Kilgallen could hear the roar of the crowd every time the doors to the courtroom opened. Not for the first time that day, she patted herself on the back for thinking to show up early to ensure her seat. Her notepad was ready, her pencil sharpened, her mind prepared for the day ahead. This was her first day of the trial, something that in Dorothy's experience was a straightforward affair that hardly warranted covering. She knew that the real juice of the story would be in the days to come, Today, 
All that there was to do was to firm up plans to hold the trial in Cleveland and then begin jury selection. The real show wouldn't happen until the jury had been determined. Still, this was a big case, and she knew that she could gain some traction just by covering the mundane proceedings. A vivid description of Sam Shepard and maybe some conjecture as to what was going through his head would surely kick off a series of sensational pieces. At the sound of creaking wood, she shifted herself. Old courthouses like this broadcast every change in position, every move as someone tries to get more comfortable on the ancient wooden seats. The trial was starting late. People in the courtroom were beginning to shift uncomfortably. Dorothy strained from where she was to get a better look at Shepard, but all she could make out was the back of the man's head. There was a tension in the air as the bailiff entered, with everyone in the courtroom expecting him to bark, all rise, before the judge entered. But he didn't. The judge did not enter. The entire crowd was left in anticipation until, finally, the bailiff spoke. Is there a Dorothy Kilgallen present? Dorothy stood up as a means of identifying herself, waving at the bailiff. He urged her to walk to him, and before she knew it, Dorothy was being led to the judge's chambers. Dorothy Kilgallen, Judge Edward Blythen said as Dorothy took her seat before him. I'm curious what a journalist of your stature is doing here in my courtroom. You're a long way from New York City. Dorothy didn't feel like she needed to explain herself. Blythen had to know that every major newspaper in the country had followed the footsteps of the Cleveland press, reporting on every detail of the murder and the likely guilt of Sam Shepard. Still, she would do herself no favors by getting smart with the judge. She explained that she was just doing what every worthwhile journalist did, chasing a good story. This murder was national news. The Shepherds had seemed like the picture-perfect image of the ideal American life. Marilyn was a beloved figure in their Cleveland community. Sam was a respected surgeon. She died on the 4th of July. Plus, the mystery of it all would entice her viewers. Blythin balked at the word mystery. It's an open and shut case, he said. Dorothy had never heard a judge be so forthcoming with his opinion on a case prior to trial. She pressed him to clarify his statement. Well, he's guilty as hell. There's no question about it. Dorothy followed every step, and just over three months later, following a verdict of guilty from the jury, Judge Blythen sentenced Sam Shepard to life in prison. Next, we'll discuss Shepard's successful appeal of his conviction and the debate over his case that carries on to this day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. Sam Shepard's 1954 conviction for the murder of his wife, Marilyn, was the culmination of what would later be called a mockery of justice. The official story of the crime was as follows. In the early hours of July 4, 1954, Marilyn Shepard was bludgeoned to death. Sam would later tell the police that he had brawled with an intruder but had been beaten unconscious. Sam's injuries corroborated this story, and he was found to be suffering from a concussion, which likely impaired his judgment. Although there were valuables found missing, the lack of any other motive for the brutal crime soon turned suspicion onto Shepard. Sam and Marilyn's young son, Sam Reese Shepard, who they called Chip, had been asleep in the house during the entire ordeal. It seemed that he would have been woken up by a struggle such as the one his father described. Complicating matters was the fact that Sam had been carrying on an affair with a nurse at his hospital. This led investigators and reporters to get to work picking apart his character. Shortly before his official indictment, Sam was subjected to a very public inquest. He was questioned over a period of three days on live TV in front of an audience of hundreds, all without his attorney present. The Cleveland newspapers, including the Cleveland Press, had determined Shepard's guilt by the end of July and would routinely run headlines like, Why Isn't Sam Shepard in Jail? Although Sam's trial lasted three months, the verdict was essentially decided before it even began. Despite appeals from the prosecution, Judge Blythen refused to hold the trial in another county where the citizens would have been less impacted by the media. Additionally, Blythen did not sequester the jury during the trial, nor did he make any efforts to ensure that the jury wasn't tainted by preconceived notions brought on by the news coverage of the incident. Some of the names, addresses, and phone numbers of the jury were published in the newspaper, leading concerned citizens of Cleveland to call them up and urge them to issue a guilty verdict. Some journalists, like Dorothy Kilgallen, criticized these flagrantly inappropriate aspects of the trial. But the show went on. Sam Shepard served 10 years of his life sentence. By 1964, he had a new lawyer, F. Lee Bailey, who would go on to defend both Patricia Hearst and O.J. Simpson. Bailey successfully appealed Shepard's case and brought it all the way to the Supreme Court, which voted 8-1 to one to strike down the conviction on account of Judge Blythen's bias against the defendant. Shepard was released from jail in 1964. Shepard stood for a retrial in October of 1966, this time with a sequestered jury. And this time, the verdict was not guilty. Shepard, for the first time in 12 years, was truly free. Shepard did not get to enjoy his newfound freedom for long. He was re-granted his medical license and returned to his work as a surgeon in 1968. However, the 14 years he'd spent not practicing medicine had deteriorated his abilities. 
Within three months of returning to work, Shepard was involved in two separate cases in which he nicked a patient's artery during surgery, leading to the patient's death. Shepard resigned amidst wrongful death suits from the patient's families. But Shepard miraculously found his way back onto his feet once again by shifting to an entirely new career, professional wrestling. He competed in 40 matches over 1969 and 1970 before passing away at the age of 46 after suffering a Wernicke encephalopathy, a complication from years of alcoholism. Sam and Marilyn's son, Sam Reese Shepard, has spent much of the past 50 years fighting to restore his father's reputation and identify the true murderer. In 2002, a jury denied his civil suit for wrongful imprisonment on behalf of his father. The case of Sam Shepard is commonly misconstrued as the inspiration for The Fugitive, a TV show from the 1960s that was later adapted into a movie starring Harrison Ford. Although there are similarities, namely in the setup that the main character is a doctor who is wrongfully convicted for killing his wife, the creators of the show always denied the connection. Considering the fact that the show premiered in 1963, a full year before Shepard's initial exoneration, it seems more than likely that mere coincidence is at play. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Today in True Crime for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, Sound design by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Colin McLaughlin. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 